Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6, Sean Stone 2020. Tonight we launched the Libertarian Party officially. The party that stands for economic freedom and prosperity, as well as individual rights and personal responsibility, a return to the constitutional civil liberties granted to us, and the limitation of government and corporate special interests. Now tonight I want to be discussing some of the issues that I'll be running on as a candidate. Uh, I, I want to create a platform where people can really have freedom, take back their power, and create more fairness and equality through merit and true capitalism, eliminating this system of crony capitalism, which has empowered banks, government, and special corporate interests to enslave not only the United States, but so much of the world. So let's dig right into it. The first topic tonight is economics and taxes. My first step as president would be to abolish the Federal Reserve and central banking. It would allow the competitive use of alternative money and allow the digital use of currency to be privatized. The next thing I would do is I would eliminate the income tax. This would create all sorts of new jobs and new capital, as well as savings and potential investment for the vast majority of Americans and potentially, if other countries followed suit, um, other, other citizens of the world as well. I would eliminate all welf welfare programs. These programs are a drain on the system. They create uh, an entitlement and actually create unfairness by uh, essentially enabling lazy, unproductive behavior. I would deregulate all industries and eliminate subsidies for special, as mentioned, corrupt interests forcing competition and survival of those companies best serving their customers and communities. I would eliminate the licensing of industry, including gambling, hunting, medical, building, etc. My hope with all of these, these things is again that we would reduce the power of the government, their ability to regulate the economy, and therefore act as a parasite in terms of stealing and taxing and and you know, really controlling the flow of money and industry in a way that benefits those who corrupt it most. We need to return to economic freedom for people. Eliminating the income tax would do such a thing. It would provide, again, as mentioned, more jobs. More people would hire because they would have more money to hire. Uh, you know, eliminating um, welfare programs would incentivize work naturally. And of course, deregulating industries just gives more power to businesses, particularly small businesses, because remember, regulation really creates monopolies. It creates monopolies for large corporations and, and creates a significant barrier to entry for small businesses to compete in, sm in, in spaces of varying size, right? Um, it would really force true capitalist competition serving customers and communities, as mentioned. Our next topic is military and foreign policy. Now, this is a very, very important topic because, as mentioned, the welfare state is a huge drain on the economy, but by and large, the biggest parasite on the U.S. system and economy is the military-industrial complex. The United States spends four times more than any other developed country on the planet in terms of military contracts, contracts and expenditures. 
the first thing I would do is I would immediately remove all troops abroad and put most on reserve status. Now, these troops would be available, you know, if the country was faced with a real situation where it needed to defend itself. But these troops would be able to find better jobs because, there, as mentioned, there would be so many jobs, so much fresh capital, and so much industry from eliminating the income tax and all of these regulations that they wouldn't need to be in the military. Most of the time, these troops join the military simply to get their college education paid for. The next thing I would do is I would cut 70 to 90% of wasteful military expenditures and scale back military contracts. This, in turn, would reduce significant, significantly the military-industrial complex. The next thing is, I would create a basic home turf defense strategy. Uh, the, the job of the government is to protect its own citizens. It is not to create this imperialistic uh, empire in which we go into other countries using our, our intelligence agencies uh, and, and espionage and all of these really illegal tactics um, to you know morph colonies of our own for our own use and then having to deploy troops there to maintain these puppet governments. That is not the job of the United States government constitutionally or otherwise. Um, I would eliminate government funding for space exploration and allow it to be privatized. Um, government does not do a good job with funding, managing, um, you know, things, it, certainly not as well as the private sector could. So space should absolutely be privatized. Um, the next thing I would do is I would allow for honoring basic treaties, but would generally apply a non-interventionist strategy when it comes to foreign policy and foreign wars. Um, we don't want our allies to be bombarded but at the same time, we need to mind our own business. <laughs> so this policy really is about creating um, creating a, a system where we're only doing what the job of the government is to protect its own citizens and not to get involved in um, foreign affairs. Next on the list, we have civil rights and liberties. I would start by honoring all of the Bill of Rights and the, the constitutional uh, liberties that this, this country was founded on. That would include the freedom to assemble peacefully, um, the freedom from searches and seizures and elimination of civil as asset forfeiture, which was really a byproduct of the war on drugs. I would uh, obviously uphold the freedom to bear arms and self-defense. Um, I would eliminate the social services um, which really are just the child theft services. And I would place more reliance on community organizations for intervention in extreme cases, except where coercion laws are broken. The next thing is all preferences, including sexuality, would of course be legalized. I would eliminate state-sanctioned state marriage, which would create a non-governmental social family structure, private marriage. So much of the uh, divorce rates are because of government intervention, much like many of the distortions in society. Uh, I think that, that, that marriage is a private matter between maybe someone's church or God, or even if you're an atheist or whatever, 
it, it, it's a private matter. It is not something the government should be able to profit from, intervene from, and certainly not license. Religious freedoms would be upheld. You would have the freedom of, of association, no forced quote-unquote diversity, including in the workplace. You should be able to hire who you think is best for the job, who is best for your work culture, and not be forced to take on, you know, all of these ridiculous diversity laws. Instead of basing them on merit, you're basing it on race or gender or this or that. It's, it's, it's nonsense. Um, and of course, all citizens would be equal under basic common sense laws. And I want you to hear the justice section in this later to understand some of that more. Another distortion is the education system. Now, we've created multiple distortions. The United States spends more by far than any other country in the world, and yet we have some of the lowest uh, you know, education test scores. And, and just, you know, our, our results generally are way below where they should be. I blame this on government intervention as are most distortions. Part of that is the university um, system in which the government has backed the student loans that students have been taking on, essentially enslaving them because you can't get out of these loans. It's created these multi-trillion dollars of debt in addition to the K through 12 education system, which is a, a miserable failure. So what I would do is I would eliminate property taxes. These taxes, um, you know, along with excise taxes, which are a little bit of, of a different thing, but property taxes essentially mean that people don't own their property. If you don't pay, the government takes your property. We need to uphold private property and property rights. And the first step in doing that is eliminating property tax. Now people say, how do you pay for the schools? How do you pay for all these things? There should not be publicly funded education, period. So I would eliminate all public, publicly funded education. Education should be chosen by parents and communities, which again is a private matter. Um, now, I would eliminate government funding and guaranteed loans for institutions. This would drive the cost of education, higher education, down significantly. Institutions and banks would have no incentive to drive their prices up because they would have to take the risk in actually loaning the money to the students. Education would be far cheaper like it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And, and these, these degrees are useless anyways. I mean, people are getting degrees that aren't even really applicable to the workforce. So again, all education would become privatized and non-standardized. Now, of course, constitutionally, the states have the ability to choose um, how they deal with certain things. So states and locals would be able to decide their own consumption taxes subject to their citizens' votes and representatives. Now, and if they wanted to use these things to create certain institutions, that's on them. But at a federal level, it would be eliminated. The next section is healthcare, and it really should be healthcare and insurance. Healthcare and insurance are some of the biggest industries in, in the world. And, you know, as a consequence of that are some of the most corrupt industries. The first thing I would do is I would eliminate all federal funded programs for healthcare. This would again force healthcare companies and insurance companies, doctors and, and hospitals to become privatized and compete using market forces. This would drive the cost down for consumers and would provide overall significantly better, better medical care. I would also allow 
um, non-Western medicine, holistic and alternative, the legal right to practice in the same realm as doctors and physicians and Western interventionalist uh, medicine. All medicine would be subject to informed consent with no mandates or government oversight. Again, regulation is really just parasitical. It's the same people that are heads and CEOs and, you know, basically from the corporate interests that are overseeing these regulations, allowing them to monopolize and drive their prices up for drugs, insurance, and healthcare. We need to eliminate that and rely 100% on the market and for people to make their own informed decisions and, and be able to have the uh, core philosophy of Western medicine, which is informed consent, be the driving factor. Next, I wanna briefly talk about trade. Trade is an important element in a world economy and we do have a globalized economy. Countries should be able to compete with US companies just simply as you know, an innovative push as ability for Americans to be able to get cheaper and other countries to be able to get cheaper goods that could certainly be produced elsewhere at a, at a better rate or all these things. So we would allow for global trade and competition. But constitutionally, trade is supposed to be subject to tariffs on goods imported at roughly a base rate equal to all countries. Um, now, again, constitutionally, these tariffs would be the sole source of funding for the government and military. This would significantly reduce the budget of the government and force it to get back to its core job of defending the United States, not in expanding territories and taking over this and taking over that. We need to get back to small government. Of course, there's this big debate about technology. Now, really what this debate about is, again, monopolizing through regulation and censoring, allowing the government the right to monitor and censor your data, your phone calls, your communications, and your information. We need to deregulate all technology. Uh, the only thing that should be kept a close eye on as part of protecting U.S. citizens is technology that's used for weaponization. That is the only thing that I think would be subject to government scrutiny. And that would have to be done partially at a local level and partly at a federal level from a military standpoint. Now, the justice system, much like all of government, has been significantly corrupted. We have more laws today than we've ever had. There's a, there's a quote about, uh, you know, the average American commits at least five felonies a day. We need to stop this by creating basic common sense laws these are laws that are known throughout humanity to be wrong and that should be punishable. Uh, these laws include murder, theft, coercion, which would be rape or force, vandalism, or destruction of private property. And I think the key to this is that, that the federal government should not be involved in these crimes. These should be dealt with through local due process for conviction, sentencing, and penalties. At a federal level, we need to decriminalize drugs, prostitution, abortion, and other vice industries. What this does is it keeps them from being legal while simultaneously promoting individual responsibility for one's own choices and consequences, consequences naturally disincentivizing the, the criminal monopolies on vice by means of market forces, supply and demand. Now, if I want to go in and explain a little bit more what happens when drugs become decriminalized? 
yes, people still deal, sell, uh, do, and distribute drugs, right? And drugs, particularly hard drugs, are bad for society. But we've had a failed war on drugs. And you could, like I said, include prostitution, abortion, other, you know, gambling for that matter, uh, you know, mob-like activities, you know, uh, syndicated or, or international crime or whatever you want to call it. How do these industries get so powerful? Well, when the government makes something illegal, it then reduces the amount of people that are willing to participate in that industry, right? Because most people don't want to be a felon and risk going to jail. And what it does is it, it incentivizes violent criminals who don't give a rat's ass about, you know, going to jail or or the repercussions or or that kind of thing. These are people that have had a hard life and they're willing to take the risk because all of a sudden there's this huge demand for products that only a few are willing to supply. If we decriminalize these things, they will not go away. But over time, people will realize that the incentive just isn't there. If anybody can deal and sell and do drugs, you automatically lower the price of these, these products. The supply gets increased. It's simple economic forces. And so, and, and I'm just speaking in monetary terms. Of course, the price, it, it could include other things like the, the lifestyle repercussions of, of, of vice industries and all these other things. But it, just by market forces, you automatically create an equilibrium in the market, disincentivizing criminal syndicates uh, and, and people that are willing to do any means possible to make a profit. Um, because there's just not as much money there if anybody and everybody can do it. And, and the demand goes down because the supply goes up. Very, very common sense. These things are not going away. Making them illegal doesn't make them go away. It just makes them more dangerous. Decriminalization is the critical key in creating that balance in society. We don't want to legalize. We just want to decriminalize. And that brings us to our last section tonight, energy. Now, this is a tricky topic. You know, there's lots of negotiation going on about climate change, partly of which is being created um, intentionally. We talked about, you know, essentially chemtrails or geoengineering, uh, which does affect weather patterns. But I think the key thing that we need to realize is that the Earth's resources are, in fact, limited right? And when we have, say, a nuclear power plant explode, um, and it's leaking into the ocean, killing off fish and creating mutations, you know, through radiation, or for that matter, affecting water supplies, people, air quality, we have coal that pollutes, you know, the the world, and you have, a, you do have a demand, um, you know, as as population has increased, right? Now, as much as I have crapped on people like Bill Gates, um, I do think they haven't identified that there is an issue with these things. And there is some element of truth to the to the fact that, that obviously these resources are limited and the more people that are on the planet consuming them and the more that countries get industrialized using these resources, it does create a strain on the environment. I think the answer is that we need to have more serious discussions about how these industries can be held accountable 
for their own corporate disasters. These are behemoths. And it's even stuff that doesn't seem to show immediate effect. You have the Nestle CEO uh, talking about how water is not a right. These are This is a company that goes into U.S. and other, other countries in the world, but U.S. cities and lakes and, and natural water sources and is just draining the aquifers, right? Um, you know, obviously mining, oil, uh, coal, all of these things we may have some abundance of, but they are limited depending on what we're talking about. And they do have environmental consequences. Now, so when we're talking about regulation, I think that these things really need to be uh, at the very least scrutinized. You know, I think if there's no regulation, um, and regulation doesn't necessarily have to be from the government, right? It could be a competitive factor um, within the industry itself. Um, but I think I think that it could be localized to some degree, right? If if a company creates a natural disaster by some error or just some uncontrollable circumstance, they they should have to pay for that, right? So there should be corporate accountability penalties for the destruction of land and natural resources, and that includes paying you know local people whose farms and water supplies uh, may have been disrupted and not just the government finding it and then taking that money and, and it never going back to the community that it, it harmed in the first place. So we need to have a serious discussion of the, dis- dis- the potential destruction of natural resources subject to laws on a local level and on a judicial, judicial level, right? I don't know that the answer is full on a federal regulation. I think it's a very, very tricky topic. Um, and obviously, we want as a society to innovate more towards greener energy. I, I do believe that greener energy is more sustainable. And I think that to say otherwise is to enable, you know, basically 20th century industrialization tactics, which were just drilling for oil recklessly. And, you know, the fracking, which has certainly brought down the cost of oil, uh, but has, has potentially created earthquakes and all these other things. These are real um, issues that the world faces and it affects more than just the US. It, it's, it's something that we have to look at. And if I think there's one thing that the global bureaucrats may be doing right, or at least have the right problem identified, it, it is, I guess what they would say, climate change. I don't think it's climate change. I think it's, I think it's energy use, right? I think that we need to come up with more constructive um, strategies for how to use these things and how to create alternative energy. I mean, there's been studies on using salt water from the ocean that can be transformed and power vehicles and all these other things, right? So there are renewable energy sources. Uh, But I, I truthfully don't have an exact answer to how these industries should be dealt with. But I do think that regulating these industries, just like any other form of regulation, is a form of captive and captive industry. It's just corrupt. And I don't think the answer is necessarily just to regulate. I think we need to innovate. I think to some degree, we need to rely on market forces. And I think we need to have real corporate accountability that goes back to the communities that it solves, both in the cleanup and in the reimbursement of the damage done, right? I mean, these are serious um, cause and effect uh, consequences. So in closing, if you want your freedom back, if you're tired of this global uh, bureaucracy that's ever expanding, we need to defund. We need to stop participating in 
and we need to start taking back our power as citizens. And I think creating a libertarian party, a libertarian party is a constitutional party. It's one that believes in limited government. It's one that believes in economic freedom as well as social freedom. No more banter between left and right. Hey, you can be gay, but you can't be rich. Or hey, you can be rich, but you have to be a Christian. These are fundamentally corrupt, coercive ideologies that result in di divisiveness and quite frankly are a diversion while corporations profit corrupt and steal from the american people and from the world we need people to take their power back to get control over their own money we can do this through cryptocurrencies we can do this through eliminating uh the central banking system the debt-based system of money we need to return to liberty and we need to do it before it's too late, before the tyranny fully takes over. And that's why in 2020, Sean Stone, I am running for president. Thanks for listening. Sean Stone.